friends. Welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm glad that you are joining us today. The goal of this podcast is to be real about the hardships that we face in life and finding how God is good in the midst of it through his truth. He tells us that in this world we will face hardships, but to take heart because he has overcome the world. Recently, when we've been talking a lot about God's attributes, because the Bible is not about us, it's about God, and we are just part of the story. We are made in His image, and He loves us, and we are made for Him, and so it just makes sense to learn about who He is. Last week, we went through part three of God is the Creator, and today we're talking about how He is accessible which is crazy to think about because he is holy. Because he is holy, he cannot tolerate being around sin. When he made the world, everything was good. He would create things and say that it was good. And then sin entered the world. And in Psalm 5, verse 4, it says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil cannot dwell with you. Evil is not something that God can tolerate. In Genesis 3, the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, which when we've talked about wisdom, we know that God created the world with wisdom and he knows what's right and wrong and he knows how everything works and it's not good for us to be wise in our own eyes so to take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was like trying to be wise in their own eyes and then it continues in verse six so she took some of its fruit and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves So they immediately knew that there was something wrong and that they had to cover themselves. And God cannot tolerate sin that wasn't the same anymore. Which is really sad, you know, if you think about living in the Garden of Eden with God, just walking in the cool of the day with Him, just talking and communing with Him, and then all of a sudden feeling like you have to hide because you messed up. That was the first of many, many sins. And sometimes I think Adam and Eve are blamed. But honestly, if any of us were put in that situation, we would have chosen the same thing, I think, because we have that sinful nature that we are we are made in God's image, but we are bent on evil, unfortunately. But even in God's holiness, he's always made a way for us to get to him which is incredible. I think sometimes with the world that we live in today, it's easy for us to look back at the Old Testament and think, how on earth, like, why is God like this? Why is he, you know, why does he punish so harshly? Why is he so full of wrath? Why is there so much violence? Instead of looking at it from the the Old Testament through the New Testament to where we are today, it's a lot It makes more sense when you look at it that way. So instead of seeing where we are today, where we can just talk to God anytime we want to, and we often take it for granted, when you look at it from the very beginning of how he made the world, 
and how everything came to pass and all the promises that he made and that he fulfilled and continues to make promises and fulfill them. It makes a lot more sense. So in the Old Testament, after Adam and Eve had the first sin, God made a way for the Israelites to be able to connect with him. That's why he made the laws. He wasn't just making a list of do's and don'ts. It was the way for his people to connect with him because he can't tolerate sin. And so if people are following his ways, then they can connect with God. And he came and he dwelt among them, um, specifically like when Moses was um, there, he came and he dwelt in the tabernacle, that tent of meeting in the Holy of Holies behind the curtain that only the high priest could go to once a year. And people had to sacrifice animals in order to be in the tabernacle area. They couldn't even go in to where God was behind that curtain because they had to be clean. And in Hebrews 9.22, we know that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so to forgive for the sin, to make atonement for that sin that everyone has, everyone has their own sin, they would have to do a sacrifice, then that blood would cover their sin, and that would cleanse them in order to be able to have access to God. But it wasn't always like that. That's the way that God made it at first. And then we get a little glimpse of what was to come in Isaiah 6. And this was just mind-blowing to anyone who lived in the Old Testament times. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorposts shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. So he is in the temple, and he is unclean. So he is, he, that's why he says, Woe is me, I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He's in the temple, even though he's unclean. But this is the crazy part. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. So instead of how it was where you had to become clean before you could enter, this says that the the piece of coal was coming to him and cleansing him. And that was what took away his iniquity and his sin, which is crazy. But that was a a small glimpse of what was to come. When Jesus came, instead of people having to become clean and holy before they could come before him, he brought holiness into the form of a man. He was fully God and fully man here on earth. And people didn't have to become clean before coming to him. Instead, he was among the lepers and the sinners and the tax collectors, the people that would not be allowed in in the temple. And after Jesus came, when he died on the cross, that veil which separated us from the Holy of Holies, that access to God, was torn. 
So now we have access to God, which is something that if you live today in the 21st century, you probably definitely take for granted because it's just how we live as we have access to God. We can talk to him anytime that we want to. And when Jesus was ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And so if you have put your faith in Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, just like we talked about last week. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so it's this amazing progression of God coming and dwelling in the tent of meeting to Jesus coming as a human being here on earth to the Holy Spirit actually coming and dwelling in us. So he continually makes himself more and more accessible to us. Isn't that incredible? And now, even if you're not someone who loves Jesus or even believes that God exists, you have access to God because his people are walking around the face of this earth with the Holy Spirit within them. And when they smile or they are loving you out of Christ's love and they show forgiveness, when they show comfort, when they show joy, love, peace, any of that, they are showing you God's presence because they have the Holy Spirit within them. And that's incredible. But something I want us to think about with God being accessible, and we've kind of talked about this before with um, when we were talking about beauty and glory, is that there are two veils. There's the veil that Jesus tore when he died on the cross, and there's the veil over our hearts. This is from 2 Corinthians 3. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted, because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So there's the veil that Jesus already tore. And so we have access to God. But there's also the veil over our hearts that we can choose to give God access to us. That verse says, whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Let me ask you, have you ever had a conversation with someone, maybe someone you haven't seen in a while, and you guys get together to chat, and the entire time they just talk about themselves, they talk about what's been going on in their life, things that they're hoping for, wishing for, some deep struggles they're going through. They don't really ask you anything about you. They are just talking about themselves the whole time. And so you leave and you know a lot about what's going on in their life, but they know nothing about what you're dealing with in life. And on the flip side, if you've ever been in counseling or therapy, which I highly recommend, even if you don't feel like you have like a specific mental health issue, it's just helpful to talk about uh, things that you've gone through just to process life, if you have anxiety about the future, any of that, highly recommend. And it's designed in a way to help you grow and go through those things. It's a very professional environment, and so it's designed for you to talk about what you're going through and process that, which means that it's you talking a lot, and your therapist or counselor may ask questions, and they take notes and give you helpful tools and everything, so it's great for that. It's great for growth. But it's not like 
a relationship where you're getting to know your counselor or your therapist. You don't have your therapy session and then go and hang out with your counselor. It's a very professional environment. So in that way, your therapist and your, or your counselor knows a lot about you, but you probably don't know a lot about them. In the same way, sometimes we do the same thing in our relationship with God. Either one, we go to him and we tell him everything that's going on in our life. We ask him all these requests, things that we want fixed, wishes that we have, wondering why he didn't. You don't really care to know more about who he is and for him to reveal the mysteries to you. Or two, you get a bunch of information about him and you learn more about who he is and you read his scripture, you study, you dive deep into those questions, but you have a hard time opening up to him and sharing those hard emotions because you don't want him to know that you're angry or upset. Not that you're his counselor or therapist, it's not like that, but sometimes it's easier for you to learn about him than it is for you to share about yourself. But my friends, it is a, a two-way relationship. We want to learn about him and we want to share about ourselves. And as we know in Psalm 139, he already knows everything about us. And we've talked about this before too, that he... He created you, he formed you, he bought you, he lives in you. So he knows everything about you. But there's something different about actually opening up and sharing. Do you ever know a lot about someone, maybe because like you follow them on social media, or you have a friend who knows them, or you read a book about them? There's all kinds of different ways that you can know about someone and know facts about their life. But it's different if you were to sit down with that person and for them to tell you their story. So God may know everything about you. He does. He's omniscient. But it's different in your relationship with him to share your heart with him, to consciously put in the effort and open up your heart to him. That's a very different conversation because If you're not sharing anything with him, I mean, he knows everything about you, but when you open up to him, it allows you to really surrender that and humble yourself and allow him to work in your heart and transform you. My friends, usually when you are invited to a wedding, it's not because you follow the bride and groom on Instagram or because you read a book about them or because you know someone who knows them. You are invited to the wedding because you know the bride or the groom or both. In the same way, someday there's going to be a grand wedding of Christ the bridegroom and the church, his bride, being joined together. It is the great wedding after which all weddings here on earth are a mere reflection of, a shadow of what is to come. And I don't know about you, but I really want to be at that wedding. And I don't even want to just be a guest at the wedding. I want to be among the body of Christ, that the bride to the bridegroom. And what's different about the relationship that the bride and the bridegroom have than a guest and the couple 
is the level that they know each other, the level that they see, know, and love each other. The bridegroom and the bride, can they remove their veils and they know everything about each other and they still choose to love each other. God has already given us access to him. He tore the veil and we have access to know him. But have you given him access to your heart? Have you torn that veil and turned to him and allowed him to work in your heart? Have you allowed him to see you? Let me ask you, is it easier for you to share about things in your life? Is it easier for you to come to God and tell him everything that's going on and ask questions and make requests and thank him for things? Is that easier for you? Or is it easier to learn about him, ask him questions about who he is and what he's doing and his mysteries and maybe hide yourself a little bit because you don't think he can handle the hard emotions. Because my friends, he is both. One, he is great and worthy of learning all about. We want to learn all that we can about his character and his attributes. We'll never know fully And I'm thankful we have all of eternity to learn more about him. But here on earth, there are so many things that we will never know for sure. And we can can just continue learning more. But also, we want to reveal our hearts to him. We want him to search our hearts because he knows our hearts better than we do. Our hearts are deceptive and we don't understand them like we think we do. We want him to search our hearts. To transform our hearts become more like him glory to glory and he can handle those hard things if I was in one of the camps of those two I definitely sometimes struggle with wanting to open up to him because I don't want him to see the hard things and it's something that I've grown in a lot but in the past like emotions such as anger or sadness were things that I didn't want to share with him I wanted to figure out my life and fix my emotions before I came to him so I could come to him with joy. But he can handle the anger and the sadness. The book of the Psalms has psalms of joy and praise as well as psalms of lament. God can handle your hard emotions. I've had to learn to come to him with anger, which is something I never thought I would ever do. But honestly, it helped me grow closer to him because I was revealing those parts of my heart and asking him to help me and transform me. I've come to him with bitterness. I've come to him with sadness. I've come to him with deep, dark emotions. And when I did that, instead of there being shame, because I laid myself bare before him, he saw me, he knew me, and he still chose to love me. God has given us full access to him. I pray that we don't take that for granted, but that we really press into that and want to learn more about him. In the same way, I pray that we give him access to our hearts, ask him to search our hearts and to transform our hearts, which are big prayers. He will answer. And it won't be an easy process for him to transform your heart. It won't be an easy process for him to search it and to reveal the things that are unclean and impure in our hearts. But then he can work through it and help us grow. 
in the Old Testament, it was a lot harder to have access to God because we had to make ourselves clean before we could come before Him. But now, He has not only come to us, but He makes His dwelling place in us when we turn to Him. In Hebrews 12, starting in verse 18, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words, that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judges of all. My friends, instead of looking at our access to God as something to just overlook and to look at the Old Testament and wonder what kind of God would be so violent, I think instead we should look through from the past and see how God made the world and how he has been increasingly just giving us access to him and being very thankful for the time that we live in where the Holy Spirit dwells in us. I remember when I was a kid, I would think, wow, it'd be so cool to live in the time of Moses when God came and would guide them by a you know a pillar of cloud or he would guide them with fire, the burning bush. Like, how awesome is that? But my friends, we overlook that the Holy Spirit lives inside us. God is in you. When you are a believer and you've put your faith and your trust in Him, that is more access to God. He can literally speak to you right now. You can literally talk to Him right now. You don't have to go through the sacrifices of animals to get to the Holy of Holies. How often do you overlook that? I know I do way too often. My prayer is that we are aware of how present He is in our lives and to not take that for granted, but instead to really press into Him and also reveal our hearts to Him and allow Him to bring transformation to us. Thank you for joining me today for... This episode of the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. Please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes. I hope you have an awesome week. Please connect with us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group for the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast, as well as an Instagram page. You can find us on pretty much any podcast platform. I'd love for you to share, write reviews, rate. I hope you have an awesome week. May the Lord bless you and keep you.